Okay? So that's why, I'm, I, that's, that's our whole purpose in being here is to get you to know God and want Him more. And get hungry for Him. And in your hunger for Him, when we begin to become a, a community hungry for Him, guess what He's going to do? He's going to show up. And when He shows up in His presence, in His presence, the chains fall. What did the Bible say? That the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. When will that day come? When we come into His presence. When He shows up. So if you've got a problem with cancer and He shows up, what does cancer have to do? It said everything that has a name will bow at the feet of Jesus. If you've got a broken heart, is that a name? What happens in the presence of Jesus? Hearts are mended. Minds are restored. Lives are renewed. Relationships are restored in His presence. It's in His presence. In His presence. In His presence. In His presence. We teach here, I teach here not to make you smarter so that you know something somebody else doesn't know and look at what I know. It, it, I, that has never been my attitude with what I know. And what God has revealed to me. My attitude is, how can I help you to know Him more? I know Him, how can I help you know Him? You know, you've been around people that you would like to meet. And you run into people that know them. I like running into people that know them that will introduce me to to who I want to meet. Not people that just want to sit around and talk about them and keep their relationship. Tell big stories. Tell all kinds of things. All about them. But never give me the opportunity to meet them. Am I making sense here? I can tell you this. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. We're going to change the name of this, Rosemary, to to knowing your father by name. I'm going to go here just real quick. Um, John chapter 1. We're going to go down to verse 17. Start out there today. I know I'm forgetting something, but I got, I got more to say on that, but I don't know what it is. But, but I'm telling you, there's an awakening coming. Oh, in that church that we went to, that was the reason I was telling you that story. I thought this was just the most amazing thing. I thought this is what everything should be like. And in that service, I'll never forget it, first time to a mega church, he got up in the pulpit, God moved on him, and he started prophesying about what the last day awakening would look like. And he said, the day is coming when mega church will no longer. It's going back to the hometown church.
God told us. God spoke to us when we started this thing. I want to know why to why are we starting it? He said, and, and, and we've got it on tape. Man prophesied over us, said, you're going to travel many journeys. You're going to go many places that I'm going to draw you to. And I'm going to show you some things. Because you're going to take it and you're going to bring it back to southern Illinois. I thought that was exciting. But when I brought it, started bringing it back to southern Illinois, all I ran into was a fight. With everybody, even people that love me, really believe in our ministry, fight with that. Because it's a struggle to change. We want God to do something in our box. And God says, no, I'm taking you out of your box and I'm going to do something. And that means you're going to change. God doesn't change. There is no shadow of turning in Him. So, so, so understand, we want to mimic the worship that's going on in heaven, not God come, and, and the presence in the presence of God, not us create our own and expect God to come and show up for us. That's tight. We mimic what's going on there and He shows up. Wow. Because heaven's not going to be about us. Heaven's going to be about Him. When we see His glory and we see His presence and we witness that impurity... The Bible says that we're going to go to worshiping Him and we'll worship Him for an eternity. Why? Not because we have to to stay there, but because of what we see what He has really done. When we see how He has really cared for us. When we really see who He is. It, our response will be out of a heart of worship. What did he say? They said, how do we pray? How do we pray? Pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not an arena of trying to get you holy enough to be acceptable to God. So therefore, we should not be spending our whole life being holy enough to be acceptable for God here. That's not building the kingdom, that's religion. Are you saved? Did you get saved because inside you recognize you needed a Savior. Something drew you to Him. That's salvation. No one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws Him. You were drawn to Him. You didn't find Him. He found you. At that moment that He started drawing you, if you have been drawn and not accepting, then you're still accepted because He's looking for you to come to Him. Because you're already chosen. And He's going to keep pulling and keep pulling till you come. Why? Because He's chosen. You. You've accepted Him. Guess what? Now you're accepted. 
You, if you're accepted in your sin, how much more acceptance is there in your in His righteousness? We've been looking at the church trying to judge each other as to who is God going to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I'm trying to figure out who's going to go to heaven. And then we believe more in that than we do in the virgin birth, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. We put more faith in going to heaven. The virgin birth, the crucifixion, and the resurrection gave us our dominion back. Gave us the authority back. Now we don't just have authority that God has spoken over us, but now we have it in and through Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit backing it. It's not like it was in the garden. We're now full of Him. Woohoo! I mean, I, I get ex I'm excited this morning. I don't mean to sound like I'm yelling at you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm excited this morning of who we are in Christ. Okay? So now here, watch what He says here. Verse 17, he says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay? Now we read that, and, and, and first of all, what I want you to understand is, if you're trying to live by those Ten Commandments, if that's your reference point to God cursing you or God blessing you, I can tell you right now, and I have to tell you the truth. You're striving for the cursing and the blessing. You're striving under the wrong thing. But it's in the Bible. Read in the Bible who that was for. That never was for the Gentile. You're a Gentile. You are not an Israeli. You are not a ch you're not a child of 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 the Hebrew. Uh, you are a Gentile. The Ten Commandments were not for you, and you can't work the Ten Commandments to get God to bless you, or not work them, and God's going to curse you. None of the blessings in the Ten Commandments will function in your life by, by, by obeying the Ten Commandments. Jesus already fulfilled the Ten Commandments. It's going back to the, the virgin birth, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. Christ overcome the law. He, how do you overcome it? By fulfilling it. When a law is fulfilled, it's fulfilled. Okay, in stupid Illinois, I just call it that. In stupid Illinois, I see Rick. Rick's got a shotgun in his hand. He's going to go hunt a bird. I say, Rick, 
by law, you have to have a gun card because it's the only place you have to have one. Well, stupid Illinois. And, and, and so Rick says, yes, I have a gun card. He pulls out his gun card. What, now he can go hunt his bird with freely. Why? Because he's fulfilled the law. Right? He's fulfilled the law. Now, how he hunts can be ethical or non-ethical. But he has a gun card. And he's free to go do that. He's got a hunting license. Of course, he hasn't got a hunting license. He's fulfilled that law. Once the law is fulfilled, then you're free to go. Hello? Folks, we've got to realize that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. It is now fulfilled through him. Now, if you want to try to make that happen through you, the Bible bears it out very clear. No man has ever been able to fulfill the law until Christ. And I figure if no one could fulfill it unto Jesus, no one can fulfill it after Jesus. Except Jesus. So if, it, if, if a man, and, and, the, and Jesus was very clear, if you miss one of these laws, you can fulfill all of, all of them but one. But if you miss one, you failed all of them. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. When he said this, when the writer said this, there's more to this story than... than and I'm going, I'm going to the names of, of God here. Because we went to uh, Jehovah Rapha last, night, last time, remember? Jehovah Rapha, what is he? He's the, the God that healeth thee. He's the one, he's your healer. Jehovah Rapha. Now understand, through every story of the Bible, we see, we see Elohim everywhere. Elohim is everywhere. In the greatest story, in the beginning of this, of, of, of where Jehovah, today we're going to talk about Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh began in Genesis 22. That's where he revealed the name Jehovah Jireh. The first time. First time revealed. And it was revealed in a location, a specific location. If you'll go to Genesis 22, he says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him on that mountain. And you know what Abraham did? He packed his bags, got his knife, loaded up some wood, grabbed some help, headed off to Mount Moriah. Hmm. Wait a second. He's taking Isaac with him. The only son. Right? Wait a second. Wasn't this the promise? Wasn't this... For years, Abraham was promised this. And then in a time when you are done having children, is when he, in the, in the days of impossibility, God made it possible. And he had a son, an only son. 
If you think you're a protective parent, how protective do you think Abraham was? I'm, I'm toting here everywhere I go the promise of Israel. <laughs> the whole promise. Right here. One child. You know? And I have to wonder what kind of relationship Isaac and Abraham had. Because we know that Abraham was well over a hundred years old now. Because Isaac was in his teens. Probably middle to later teens. Okay? And he willingly laid himself down and trusted. He asked his father at one point, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham looked at his son and said, God will provide. And while he's saying God will provide, he's tying his hands. God will provide, he's tying his arms. God will provide, he's tying up his feet. He's wrapping rope around his legs, tying him up tight, piling up a stack of wood, laying him on that wood. God will provide. That boy never fought one minute. That boy never gave him any trouble. He laid him on that sacrifice. And Abraham was so determined to do what God told him to do that an angel had to come and grab him by the wrist and stop him. The angel spoke to him and that wasn't good enough. Abraham was going to do what God told him to do. Abraham knew, I can give back what you gave me and you'll, say, you'll make sure that the promise is still... F you won't renege on your promise. God knew Abraham and Abraham knew God. On Mount Moriah. Did you know there was another mountain there that he could have went to? It was called Mount Sinai. It was in the same neighborhood. This is why you see in John that the law came through Moses. Where did the law, where did the law come down from? Mount Sinai. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Where did Abraham go to sacrifice his son? On Mount Moriah. What happened on Mount Moriah? God provided the sacrifice. When he grabbed him by the hand, he says, he says, don't do this. Stop where you're at. And he stopped, and in that moment he looked over, and there was a ram caught in the brush, and God said, there's your sacrifice. Who provided that? God did. But where was Abraham's heart? You can give me whatever you give me, and at any time I will turn it right back over to you, because it never was mine anyway. And if you take it, I know you'll give it back to me again. Because you promised. 
Abraham called that mountain, that place, Jehovah Jireh. Not just the God that can provide or the God that will provide, but the God that shall provide. There's a difference between I can provide. There's a difference if you need a hundred dollars and I have a hundred dollars and I look at you and say, well, you need a hundred dollars, so I could give you a hundred dollars. Then there's a difference if I said, well, I will give you a hundred dollars. If you've got them turning off your lights and somebody's saying, well, I'll give you a hundred dollars, the first question you're wanting to know is when. Right? But when I say I shall, shall is now. And the translation to this name is I am the God that shall provide. Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who shall provide. Now. Right now. Never late. Never early. Right on time. Every time. Well, if He's that God, why isn't He providing all the time? Why, why, why do we see this? Why we... Because we're not believing in Him. God's always we're willing and ready to provide. We've just not been taught that He is our provider. We've been taught we have to provide ourselves. We have to do this. We have to do that. We, it's our job. Husbands, fathers, men, you've been raised that it's your responsibility to take care of the household. Am I right? Been raised, it's my responsibility to take care of that house, to bring in the bacon. She cooks it, I bring it in. A lot of things have changed, you know. And I'm okay with that. If you're married to someone who does most of the provision, hey, listen, if Pat wants to get a job and provide, I have golf clubs at home. We can, we can do something different tomorrow morning, you know. But Pat likes it like this. Amen? But anyway, let's take a look at this. How, it's not, yes, I have that responsibility. Yes, it's my job as the leader of the house. But how am I going to lead? Am I going to lead by just going out there and working really hard and doing what I'm supposed to do? Or am I ever going to turn that over to God and let my wife see how God works through me so that she can get to know Him on a higher level? Am I going to be the priest of my household and lead my wife to a relationship with God? Or am I going to be a driving force and push? And You know, it's hard for Pat sometimes because we get a promise. God gives us something. Uh, we prayed, we spoke, and, and we were trusting God. And I'm going to tell you, um, God is, to get this revelation, God put us in a position where We've never had enough. Or well, I'll say it, we've never had too much. We, we've never been there. And you might look at us and 
say, oh, well, you look like you're doing pretty good. We do pretty good taking out a meal barrel and the oil and the oil every day. But I can't see where that's going to cover for the future. And He never has let us be there. It doesn't matter how well my business is done. At some point in time, it, it starts doing really well. All of a sudden, it just kind of pulls back and i got to trust in Him again. Trust and trust and trust. And, and, and we'll be heading in a direction and, and God seems to be answering and in the middle of that answering, in the middle of everything's going just the way it's supposed to go, looks like income's going to go up, everything's going to, everything's, uh, the dream's coming, the dream's coming, the dream's coming, and in the middle of that dream, Pat will know that, and I'll tell her, I, I'll tell you how I'm praying right now, honey. I said, I'm praying that in the middle of all this, as we get and receive whatever we're getting and receiving, I said, I'm praying you can have it back at any time. What? have it back but I want to live in it I want to the answer to provision from God because what God gives you no man can take away what you provide for yourself stock market can come get it all kinds of things can happen to your stuff if you went and got it the only way it's really God's I heard one man say it this way what's Stopped. What has stopped the abundance in the church is that God has started blessing us and we spent instead of built. I'll just leave it there for a minute, let you get nervous. God has blessed and we have spent instead of built. When you meet Him, you're not going to have anything anyway. You came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. Are we spending our life? He said, forget not the Lord your God, who's going to make you rich. Don't forget who made you rich. If you look at our country, we're rich. All of us here. You might not think you're rich. Step outside of the nation of the USA and find out how rich you are. If you got a television, you're rich. If you got two of them, you're wealthy. If you got three, you're way over the top. If you got furniture in all your rooms, you are amazingly wealthy. In everything, what we have to realize, in every promise... See, Abraham, this was not money. This was destiny. And, and this was his destiny. This was his calling. And a lot of times, we're grabbing a hold of our destiny. We've heard our destiny. We've heard it. We've got a witness in our heart. We know where God's, what God's doing with our life. And we're heading that direction. But we never stop to say at any time, Hey, Anytime you want this back, I want you to know, as much as I love it, as much as I have given my life for it, at any time it's yours. It doesn't matter how God takes us, Pat and I have learned to say, okay, Father, 
thank you for all that you're doing right here. And we just want to put this back on the altar to you. Why? Because I want to make sure that Dean doesn't get his hands on it. Pat wants to make sure Pat doesn't get her hands on it. We want to make sure that we're, we are truly walking in the path that He has designated for us to walk in. That means the call. That means the ministry. That means our marriage. That means everything. For, for some reason that I... That that somehow I got in my head that I have swung Pat and I have grabbed a hold of her and I swept her off her feet and that, that she just loves me because of all that I do for her. For some reason that I get in my head that that's what this relationship is about, I lay this relationship back on the altar because it was you that gave her to me. See, it's this kind of relationship that Abraham had that Abraham got the opportunity to speak something on Mount Moriah that had never been spoken before. And when he spoke it, remember, what are words? They go into the atmosphere. God spoke, let there be light, and it went out into the atmosphere. And then the Spirit of God came along and touch those words and light be and light has been ever since. Understand, it has never stopped once it's a spoken word and the Spirit touches it. That's why, the, that's why what God gives, no man can touch, no man can take away from you. See, my, my dad raised us with, and, and, it, and it wasn't just... Him, I think it was this the congregation we were raised up in and, and, the, and the lifestyle that we were raised up in that when you got blessed, you didn't tell anybody. Get around a union shop. Nobody tells anybody what they got. Because if somebody gets a new pickup truck, everybody, oh, look at them. Oh, there must be the wealthy ones here. And you get gigged and poked and that kind of thing. It's that poor mouth mentality that we get locked into and it becomes a truth to us. Hiding the blessing of God. And I can tell you that right now, that's living a lie. God has blessed you. You need to let the world see that God has blessed you. God said, I'm going to bless another nation, another group of people. He's talking about the Gentile. And He said, I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to make you hungry for what they got. Talking to the Israelites. Talking to the Hebrew children. I'm not talking about bragging. I'm not talking about bragging and throwing, telling everybody what you have. and, and all that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about you better learn to walk in your blessing. Instead of hiding it over some corner. Because it will stifle the blessing. God wants His glory in the earth. He doesn't want to give it to you and you hide it underneath something. And society around us teaches us that's what we got to do. 
instead of looking at somebody that smarts off to you and say, well, you could be just as blessed as I am, maybe more, if you'd turn your stuff over to God. Because God's the one that's blessed me. God's the one that's provided for me. God's the one that's done it for me, not me. The moment it starts getting good, that's the time to start turning it back over to Him. And then when it gets bad, Pat and I have learned when it gets bad, when it gets tough, it looks like it looks like famines coming into our home. You know, something's happened at the job, something's happened with the work, something's happened with a, a surprise bill or something like that. And it looks like the devil's coming to steal, you know, and kill and destroy in our finances. Pat and I have learned. All right. You think for one second you can touch anything of mine see a lot of Christians at that point go to locking up stop their spending lock up pull back and let's weather this storm out you know what that is that's your plan and somewhere there's a lie in you that's working to cause you to do that. I'm not talking about being listening to God and doing what He told you to do. I'm talking about you're responding. Pat and I always give in those times. That's usually when we give the greatest. Why? Because I'm going to show the enemy I ain't afraid of you. My God has provided for me all my life. Am I a little cocky about it? With Him I am. Not with you, but with Him I'm a little cocky about it. You can't touch me. You can't touch this. And if you think you're going to come into my head and start messing with me, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab the checkbook, and I'm going to write out a check, and I'm going to go give it to somebody. Now there, what are you going to do with that? That's what I'm doing with my fear. What am I giving Satan to work with? Nothing. See, you get, ner you get nervous. Pull back. Oh, it's, oh, pull back. And Satan's sitting back there laughing. See, I got him. I put a lie in them, and they're believing it, that they are somehow the protectors of what they got. That's a lie. That's a lie. You're not the protector of what you got. I'll say it this way. Years ago, we got a hold of this truth. We bought the home we live in. God is your provider. And years ago, before we got that home, well, just as we got it, I guess, right around that, God gave us some revelation. And I just spoke against fire. I said, Father, we thank you for this home, this opportunity. You've blessed us. We live in a nice place. And we have a place provided for our children. And Father, right now I speak against fire on this home. Fire will never take this home from us. It will never destroy our memories. It will never destroy our home. Fire cannot touch us. You gave it to us. You opened up the opportunity for us to have it. We hand it back over to you. And, and you protect it. You take care of it. It is yours. And, and, and fire will never touch this place. 
See, most people don't think about doing that. And for a long time, every so often, we'd smell smoke. When we'd smell smoke, I'd speak, Judy. We couldn't find out where it was coming from. We couldn't figure it out. We bought smoke alarms, never had a smoke alarm go off. Nothing. And then one day, we had a problem with a breaker. I believe that was God. It was the trial, and we could go, Oh, stupid breaker box. I got another Saturday. I got a waste on doing this. I could do a lot of complaining. But we saw it, and I called somebody up, and they said, Hey, Dean, you didn't get that breaker box out of your house. That's a faulty breaker box. I said, No kidding. Yeah, I said, You, you can't get those breakers anymore. Well, I went out online. You could find them. There was somebody out there wanting to sell them. But the more I read about them, Everything was confirming what I knew, so I called up and got a friend, and, and they, brought a, they got me connected with an electrician. He came over, and they put all-new uh, box in for us and then put some electricity out in the barn while we were doing it. When he pulled that box out, the whole back of that box on our wall was black, and it was trying to set our house on fire. Houses had went up in flames all over this nation over that box years ago been in place years ago matter of fact very few boxes are left anymore because they've already been replaced and the back of that thing was black the guy called me and said hey you want to see this and I saw it and he goes man it's a wonder your house did I said no it's not a wonder my house didn't burn down my house can't burn down but 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 God knew that if you don't do something soon, it's going to burn down. So once I released those words and the Holy Spirit touched those words, it was inevitable that a breaker had to go out and I had to get it fixed. And I had to get it fixed right then. And by getting it fixed right then, guess what? Fire was prevented from taking my home. Abraham is up there with Isaac. He gets the sacrifice. He, him and Isaac now have a big time. They sacrifice this, this ram. They have their fire and sacrifice. They worship the Lord. And Abraham declares upon this mountain is the mountain of Moriah and it is where God provides. Nearly 3,000 years later, on that same mountain Christ laid down on a cross and they nailed him to that cross lifted him up and dropped him in the ground dropped that cross in the ground and there is where he he, he, he cried out it is finished what is finished the payment for provision who was he his only son, his only begotten son. Where at? On Mount Moriah. Where's Mount what is Mount Moriah? That is the place of our provision. In the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ. He is Jehovah Jireh to you. The Lord who shall provide. You having a need, listen, I want you to wrap your head around this and I'm going to close. You having a need is the evidence that He has already provided.
It's evidence. It's evidence. Because He wouldn't allow you to have a need that He hasn't already provided for to show you truth. And when you begin to let that truth get in you, then it flows, His provision flows in you because it's flowing out of truth, not out of a lie. For years, I tried to get God to bless me by blessing Him. Giving in an offering, giving in an offering, and God's going to bless us. Sow a seed. So there's so seed, seed time and harvest is true. There is, but He's the one that determines the seed. He's the one that determines the soil, and He's the one that determines the time. Okay? Not a television evangelist. Okay? Not a television evangelist. He provides. He's the one. He, the Bible says He gives seed. He gives seed to the sower. And out of that seed, it goes in the ground, grows up. You pick it. It goes through the mill. And what do you make out of it? Bread. That's why He said, I give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I'm the one that gives you the harvest. I'm the one that gives you the seed to sow. And I will tell you where to sow it. He's the provider. He's the one. And when we get that truth in us, it begins to flow. But when we have a lie in us that if we can get God to move if we give an offering, if we do this, if we do that, I'll get long life if I honor my mom and dad. I know a lot of people honor their mom and dad and died young. Did that give you long life? No. You know where your long life comes through? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's where your long life is. When you get the love of God in you, then stuff comes out of you. Amen? Amen. Is that all right? Is that all right? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your names. Father, every one of them fulfills something in our lives. And Father, we give you the glory, Lord, that we are going to turn our finances over to you. We're going to turn every provision that you've given us back over to you. And the Father, when we do, when we, when we give it back over to you, and Father, you just lead us, you guide us. And we're going to recognize in everything that we have, you provided it. You're the one that did it. I don't owe anybody anything but to love them. Amen. I know I owe no one anything but to love them. But in everything that I have, I owe you. You're the only one. You've provided it all. I am yours. I am yours. I was bought with a price. And Father, may I remember just to hand it my life back over to you in every situation, every circumstance, every business deal, every, every decision that Pat and I make, and everything that with our children. Father, we just give them back to you. And you'll restore. You'll provide. And it will be in abundance. It will look like you in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next week.